You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. So we're back. All right. You missed us. I know. Listen, How's your May pie? May was a little bit of a rough month for me, okay? May but was. You know what? It's June now. Um, my queer batteries are completely rejuvenated and recharged. Um, Sorry, I'm and, looking uh, at my my queer my thing. That is the best the calendar that's is. ever existed. I'm sorry. I yes, love it. but go ahead. Please. Um, my my energy is recharged. I had mm-hmm. a rough May. I had a rough. March, April, May. I had a rough three months, if I'm being honest. Well, you're adjusting to a new job. I'm adjusting to a new job, and my mental health was really fucking bad for a bit. But, you know, pushing through it, learning. And it's kind of hard because it's like, is my mental health getting worse, or am I just more aware of it? So I'm getting annoyed Mm -hmm. at myself when it's coming because I know that means I'm going to struggle and have to adjust and, like, can't perform as well. So Mm -hmm. I'm just angry at myself on top of that, you know? It's like an adjustment. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I mean... I don't fully get it, but like I, I hear what you're saying because it, it is a lot. And I think in general, anytime you're starting something new like a job, there's going to be a lot of pressure. And then you add that with, you know, just struggling with mental health. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not an easy thing. It's not easy. It's not fun. But I'm doing I'm doing well. That's I good. think. <laughs> well, it's Pride Month and that always helps. A yes. Bit. So whatever, whatever else is happening, Pride Month. Just yeah, seems it's like whatever. I'm gay. <laughs> Fuck it. Nothing matters this month. We'll deal with it all again in July. Um, but what was I going to say? I'm trying to think, I, you know, um, I am busy. I'm doing presentations uh, about pride things. Mm-hmm. A lot of them we're doing. We're finally able to get out in the community doing like on-site HIV testing. That's Been, awesome. Passing out all kinds of stuff for um, like street outreach. So I'm busy and it's good with work. I'm trying to think of the family. They're all trying to like, they're all still in school because, you know, Samantha's yeah. a teacher and the kids are in school and they're in school to the end of the summer. So, or the end of June. I was like, Jesus. Right COVID really awful. fucked him over, huh? No, the end of June, but still. That's long. Um, yeah, it is really long. I was out of school by like June sixth or something i know my sister's kids are out of school they were out of school at the end of may Wow. and no not our kids they're in school to the like almost the very end of june that's crazy get whatever you know but it's good things are good Mm -hmm. we've got a little family trip planned for august so good things coming up Um, I wanted to tell people to go on to our sh- our merch shop. You can still get your merch. It's Pride Month. Yeah, and it's really, it, it's the cheapest merch you're going to find out of anywhere. It is. And when I say cheapest, I mean price-wise because the quality is extraordinary. Good. It's not like, oh, I'm paying $13. I'm going to sh- get a shitty like Walmart shirt. No, it's like really good quality. Um, so we went with the shop that's much more affordable for our, mm-hmm. uh, our listeners because really we wanted people to be able to have pride merchandise at an affordable price um so we don't make much off of it but it's it's more of just for people to have yeah you know queer stuff by queer artists and 
rock your fucking pride shit. It's pride exactly. month. Exactly. Yeah. And and we I will say we it is not most of the sizes are not in unisex. It depends on what you're getting. And part of that is unfortunately just that the manufacturers that we're going through don't offer that, but they offer us so much flexibility and they allow yeah. us to have affordable pricing if we were going to switch to another company you know we're able to get t-shirts for like 13 bucks if we go somewhere else we're not going to be able to get them for less than 25 so exactly you know that's double the price and i understand that it could be more inclusive and things like that mm -hmm. but you know yeah, that's not we want people we, to have them that's not something we have say over but i talked i've talked to a couple other uh, queer like business individuals and they've had the same issue you know mm -hmm. they had to decide so we decided to go with the cheaper uh product because we want people to be able to afford it, and the price, the sizes are really good. Um, like I just got myself a new shirt. It is the Marsha P. Johnson one that has the brick mm. in the rainbow. Yeah. I absolutely love it. I got in the color lavender because I'm making it all historical, and then it had me given like a a brain storm of other historical shirts that we can make so we'll see. i'll talk to paul about it mm -hmm. but um but i absolutely love it and i cannot wait to wear it out and about so go yourqueerstory.com you can go up in the menu and you can go to our shop yep get yourself some pride merch for the month support other queer artists and you always you know i know it's on here but donate to our patreon we you use that it goes all back to the community or to other queer people who do work on our podcast yep. so you are supporting the lgbtq plus community a hundred percent and as i will always say any money that we've ever made through patreon mm -hmm. has been spent on podcast or like evan said for other you know we've donated we've done other kinds of things all of the money has gone to people who need it it's never exactly. been it's never gone to us it never we not a dime in our pockets just this um not yeah nothing in our pockets everything has always gone back to other yep. queer individuals so please keep donating to patreon we really do appreciate it we are work trying to find better ways to put content on there but even if we you know we're not putting a lot on there i just want you to know that you're giving a little bit to other people in need yep. so yeah that's that so yeah today we're talking about it's kind of a fun loose episode yeah we're talking about all of the many symbols languages and colors um that have made up queer culture in america because you know we're colorful people we can't yeah. we don't like to go with you know a black shirt and some black pants and i mean sometimes <laughs> but we just like to be loud and you know what we have to be because if we're not loud then we just fade into the background it's true it's true and i wouldn't say we're doing all the symbols and stuff we're just doing some of the main ones that people some of the main know. Ones. Okay. okay sorry i couldn't do all of them it because taken... there's a lot more than people realize yeah oh, oh, oh yeah i know <laughs> but yeah i did a lot of the main ones so yeah why don't you get us started all this right week? so first we're going to talk about the rainbow the beautiful favorite thing <laughs> you didn't see this one coming you didn't think this one was going to make <laughs> like, the list the rainbow what's that <laughs> the most popular symbol in lgbtq community is by far the rainbow the first time this symbol was ever directly tied to the community was in 1978 when artist Gilbert Baker designed the flag for the San Francisco Gay Pri uh, Parade. Before this, the pink triangle had served as a unifying image for the queer community as it represented the targeting of homosexuals and other LGBTQ people forced into Hitler's concentration camps. Yet the triangle was a reminder of oppression and pain, um, and while that symbol continues to remind us of where we have been, a new symbol was needed to provide hope to a struggling community. Yeah, and we do have, I did not put the pink triangle in this list because of the fact that we have an entire episode about yeah. the pink triangle. So if you just want to go look at that episode, you can get all the information you want to know about 
about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was a good thing. I mean, it was a good suggestion by some activists of like, yes, we want to remember the pink triangle, but also like we want to we want a new future and what's something right. that we can look at and we can smile about and be proud to see. You know, like there was that feeling as well. Right. So activists and area leaders such as Harvey Milk wanted something new and inspiring for the queer population. Gilbert Baker was the person to deliver on this iconic symbol. It has been suggested that he chose the rainbow as a reference to Judy Garland. Garland had been one of the first, if not the first, gay icon in modern culture. And I know I've said for years we're going to talk about Judy Garland. We're going to. Eventually one day. <laughs> we have a lot of other stuff to talk about too, though. We do. So it just happens. We okay? do. Judy was just a really great icon, and I'd love to do an episode on her. But, you know, we don't do really um, the icon. Icon's an ally, but right. we don't really do allies we did one ally episode a long time ago and that's the last time we've really done one mm-hmm. all right so her song somewhere over the rainbow has been a favorite in queer circles as it promised that one day things would get better a lot of queer people really identified with that song and with judy in general because she was a starlet and she was um considered a kind of a tragic being right. and people related to that during the 40s and 50s, many gay men referred to other gay men with terms such as Friends of Dorothy, referencing mm-hmm. the Wizard of Oz, or he wears ruby slippers. Again, the Wizard of Oz. Yep. Some have even made the argument that Dorothy's red slippers deserve to be solidified as a queer artifact. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um, whatever the reason behind Gilbert, Gilbert's decision to choose the rainbow, the flag d- debuted with eight colors in 1978 and eventually settled on six due to the cost of printing. The colors represented life, healing, sunlight, nature, serenity, and spirit. During the height of the AIDS pandemic, a black stripe was added to represent victims lost due to the disease. In 2017, the city of Philippines, uh, Philippines, oh, wow. <laughs> You're still thinking about an Asian American yep. episode. In 2017, the city of Philadelphia created the inclusion flag by adding a black and brown stripe to represent and prioritize black and brown queer individuals. The following year, designer Daniel Kazar added a triangle to the tra- of the trans pride flag to the inclusion pride flag though this flag continues to gain in popularity the six stripe rainbow flag still continues to be the most widely recognized symbol of the lgbtq plus community in america and around the world and i don't think that people realize how much the rainbow is a symbol around the world like you can i mean we talked about um in poland you know a lot of people were flashing rainbows as a sign Mm -hmm. of unity as the they're facing incredible um, discrimination. Russia, the same thing. So yep. the rainbow is a universal sign. And um, but in America, that the the newer flag with the triangle with the um, with the trans flag is really gaining popularity. It's on the front of our Kellogg's box right now because we ha- we bought the Kellogg's Pride, really buying into capitalism, but we wanted it. So there you go. <laughs> now the color lavender your favorite my favorite it was in our wedding it was i remember yes yeah you were there (laughs) (laughs) the color lavender has held deep meaning for the queer community for the last century many believe the color was pulled by early lesbian activists who played on sappho's writings about her passion for young girls in violet tiaras violet tiaras that sounds beautiful it does lesbians in the 1920s would often gift another woman a violet to show their interest wow and if the woman received the gift and under to the meeting it wasn't like that's thanks a, honey yeah that's a great covert like <laughs> right a lavender uh yeah, yeah. a violet for you and if she's like oh thank you and if she was just like oh wow i love it right you, I mean, you really had to hope that she understood what it meant mm-hmm. but if they did if the woman received the gift and understood the meaning then the two were effectively a couple wow 
Same way he's doing it. Like, are you a friend of Dorothy? You know? Yeah, it's the same thing. Friend, yeah. Yeah. When an a uh, accident created a purple synthetic dye, the common man was suddenly able to purchase clothing and materials with the color. This allowed for even more secret symbols symbols to be shown out in the public. Out in the public. Out in public. <laughs> Historian Cassia St. Clair said in the of the fashion trends that emerged in queer circles. In the mid-19th century, it was a fashionable color, and men would pair lavender moleskin or doeskin trousers with blue waistcoats or claret-colored co coats without anyone batting an eye. I love that. I That sounds really fashionable. Right? It was. Some it lavender pants with a blue waistcoat? Like, ooh. Yeah, I'm all about that. And so, and it, it was it was nice because it was like again, this is new color that's easily available. Before then, you had to you know right. pretty wealthy to have this color, and so anyone could do it. And so it looks like you're just enjoying a new trend. But again, if you know what to spot, then right. you know that neckerchief means more than just right. you like the color purple. Right. You know. So, however, the secret symbols soon became understood in some mainstream cultures. I mean, because that's how it goes. Eventually, people catch on, yep. especially when news journalists, hungry to fan the flames of the pansy craze, started exposing every symbol and item they believed was tied to the queer community, whether that tie was real or imagined. It's the queer, ma it's the gay mafia. Exactly. <laughs> the color purple was soon exposed, and fear of the lavender lads raged throughout the states. Even Abraham Lincoln's biographer Carl Sandburg described Lincoln's early relationships with men as containing a streak of lavender and soft spots as may violets mm. yeah so and then so that was a big thing anything any person who was described as queer during this time because again you couldn't even write about homosexuality right. even if you were against it you were you had to write in it these was, coded it didn't terms exist. Well, it didn't exist, but it was also considered too scandalous to mm -hmm. write about. So you couldn't say, this man likes other men, because that would be too scandalous right. and offensive to the reader. So you would say, he has a streak of lavender. He enjoys the lavender mm -hmm. lads. You would do those kind of things. In an air of lavender and May violets, then that was code for these people are queer. Right. And with the... Ri oh, my God. <sighs> Coffee's wearing off already. Wake up. You're almost there. With the rise of the gay liberation movement, Lavender took on a role of empowerment. Lesbian groups described themselves as the Lavender Menace after being described as such in a de uh, deriding comment by a leader of the feminist movement. Which we talked about in the Daughters of yep. the Leaders. Lavender sachets, uh, armbands, and buttons were worn as a symbol of solidarity. Today, the color is worn with confidence and pride and often used to reference eras of LGBTQ history, such as the Lavender Scare, the time period when queer Americans were openly targeted by the federal government. And you know, I wasn't really thinking about what I was going to wear for my wedding. Now I feel like I have to include some lavender. Have to I have to include lavender. something. You have to. It's very significant. And actually, I didn't put it in here, but decades later in 2017, Gilbert Baker redesigned his flag and he added a lavender stripe at the top wow. to show solidarity. Yeah. You know. The word queen. While we're not completely certain where this term was derived from in queer culture, of course right. we know the word queen has been around, it seems very likely that it stems from drag and ball culture. It was a former slave, openly gay man, and entrepreneur, William Dorsey Swan, who first referred to himself as the queen of drag. Local newspapers helped to spread the terminology by mocking Swan with article headings such as the queen is raided. By the Harlem Ball, by the time of the Harlem Balls of the 1920s and 30s, the term had evolved into drag queen. Mm -hmm. Many people had little, if any, exposure to queer spaces outside of the balls, and the word queen came to both uh, 
um, either came to be both a derisive. Yep. yep. Came, and the word queen came to be both a derisive and self-imposed description of any gay man. For much of the mid 20th century, it was used in a uh, mainly derogative way. But ball culture of the 1980s turned the word into a community favorite. Over the years, it only gained in popularity and spawned uh, popular phrases such as yes queen and a lot of other queens but i didn't put them in there because i don't know how people feel about some of the like when people use they'll put a term before queen like uh, to use probably the least offensive potato queen Mm -hmm. you know uh, i often say like if i and i don't mean it in a negative way but i'm sure that society could put a negative spin on it if i see like an extremely queer gay man i'm like that's a queen like that's what i'm like that's a queen over there you know i'm like well uh, yeah i'm referring more to some of the racist terminology that people put in front of queens like like i will like rice queen you know to refer to an asian queer person Mm -hmm. or maybe i i'm perceiving it as as offensive but um so there's a long list of people you know, using queen and things like that, right. uh, a size queen, things, mm-hmm. you know, they, yeah. they attach it to all kinds of stuff. So in some ways it's good and sometimes it's not. Um, but yeah, very, very heavily tied to ball and drag culture. So I can't imagine that it didn't derive from there. It probably did. Next, we're going to talk about Lambda. The Lambda symbol and the word itself have been t- have been tied to the gay community since the 1970 when activist designer Tom Dore suggested it as a symbol for New York's Gay Activist Alliance. Like many other symbols in terms of the early gay rights movement, the Lambda had its origins in Greek folklore. The Lacedamians, uh, better known in history. <laughs> I'm just going to go with The first time we've ever really butchered a white name. But Lacedaemonians, Lassida- <laughs> uh, better known in history as the Spartans, were a band of fierce warriors who were historically very skilled and very queer. It is said that whenever the warriors went to war, they brought along their male lovers to keep them company. Legend has it that the enemy knew the Spartans were upon them when they could see the Greek letter Lambda or L painted on the front of their shields and flying proudly on their flag. And they also, the Spartans, from what I heard, they like also had sex with each other to bond and like you know if you were being intimate with these people you wanted to protect them more like you know you were like you were these skilled warriors and if one of your men died like you had an intimate relationship with that person so it really mattered so you fucking fought yeah I think in general like that was a big Greek custom the Spartans in in particular had an entire band that was just strictly gay men like they only ever lived with Mm -hmm. their gay lovers and they, they, you know, they were just a group of, of queer men. So, um, yeah, so so a lot of people in researching queer history, you know, made those connections. And when Dor recommended the Lambda, he did so for many reasons. The first being was that the letter represented uni- unity in ancient Greece. And, of course, we know the early gay rights movement was absolutely obsessed with Greece and everything. Oh, Greece, yeah. And acted like the Greek were the only queers before them. I, I would just say to Samantha, I'm like, I, I get it. Yes, Greece was very queer, but so were all these other cultures. Mm-hmm. And we were only pulling from the Greek I culture. I think it's because it was accepted to have Greek artwork and Greek statues around. Mm. And they were always had naked men on them. So it was yeah. easy. It was something you could directly see. And it was ac- accepted by straight culture, too, that, that that was the style of art. And it's okay because it's Greek. If it's so, Greek. But uh, if you had an, a naked African statue. Exactly. Mm. So I think it just was an easy way for them to be like, I connect to this. Yeah. It was their... It was their the only thing they could see that was like them. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's built on white supremacy. There was no internet, but yeah. you know, so yeah. they didn't have access to all this other knowledge. Yeah, and I also, again, we, when we're talking about erasing other cultures and history, this was a history that they could access. Exactly. Again, they're not allowed to access exactly. all, these, all these other cultures or they're not made accessible. So, uh, 
The Romans would later choose the symbol, the lambda, to represent knowledge in the face of ignorance. And I think I said the first letter um, represented unity in Greece. Dor also specifically chose the lowercase letter because it represents balance and changes in energy. And finally, the historical context of the letter gave it an air of militancy, which was exactly the atmosphere of the gay liberation movement in the 70s and 80s. The Lambda would soon be tied to many groups and organizations, including the long-running legal advocacy group Lambda Legal. Today, it still serves as a symbol to connect LGBTQ people around the world, especially in areas where queer individuals need to be subtle in order to avoid harm. So as much as the rainbow is a form of connection, the Lambda is even more subtle and you can kind of wear it on a necklace or maybe have a tattoo right. of it. And, and you don't really know. And people don't it's know what it lambda, is. It's just the Lambda, you know? It's not yeah. anything. It's a very, if you don't know what the Lambda looks like, go look it up. It's a very, just, it's a Greek letter. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it would mean nothing to someone who had no idea of its historical context. Right. Let's talk about Labrys. The Labrys is a double-sided axe born in Greek mythology. According to legends, the axe was a favorite tool of women warriors and goddesses. The goddess um, Lafria, more commonly known as Artemis, was the Greek and Roman symbol tied to the axe and the origin of the name Labrys. In the 1970s, the lesbian feminist community adopted the axe as a symbol of lesbian empowerment. That would be terrifying. A bunch of lesbians with a double-sided <laughs> axe. You want to get scared, motherfucker? Right. Have them, have them, a mob of them to fucking chase you down. That Probably. would be terrifying. <laughs> also, why so many of them are so into those axe-throwing competitions. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. In 1999, the Labrys flag was designed and first appeared in an issue of the Gay and Lesbians Times Pride Edition. Now, that's a real aggressive symbol. You want to say fuck yeah. with me, motherfucker? You right? have a fucking axe on your flag. It's definitely got to be the most aggressive symbol out there. It's I mean, not saying in a bad way, but it's like right. it's like it's a very, very strong mm -hmm. symbol. The flag has a deep purple background, which references the community's ties to purple and lavender. A white Labrys sits on top of an inverted black triangle. Wow. The triangle was similar to the pink triangle assigned to gay men during, the war during World War II. Lesbian women, sex workers, and any woman who did not conform to Hitler's standards of womanhood were labeled with a black triangle and imprisoned in the concentration camps. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't know about all that. Yeah. Yeah. I, we, I, I think we did talk a little we bit about the, the black, the yeah. black uh, triangle in our pink triangle episode, but we didn't talk about it much. But yeah, it's a, it's got a lot of symbolic meaning. And I, I it's kind of sad to me. Like, I don't see it as much because it's been that it's not. That's not a lesbian flag I see often. I mm -hmm. see like the femme flag right. and then I see the inclusive lesbian flag. I want one more. of those flags now. But yeah, the <laughs> That's Labrys, an awesome flag. Fucking badass. And so now we're coming on our last point. Um, something that you might not have actually heard of because you might have been familiar with the other things, but it's doubtful that you've been familiar with the language Polari. Polari is a language you may not be familiar with, <laughs> but we promise that you know some of its words. I love what I get myself. Anyways, the language has its roots in Britain and is a hodgepodge of various other forms, words, and terms, including Cockney slang, Romani, French, Yiddish, American, and Polari, which is not Polari, which was an Italian-based form of communication used by sailors in the 19th and 20th centuries. It was around 1890 in London and the port cities of the United Kingdoms that Polari was formed by queer travelers seeking new friends in the area. Now, I'm just going to make a quick note that I need to learn this. Now that I know there's a you whole queer can. language. There is, a, there is an app out there called Polari, P-O-L-A-R-I, and you can learn Polari. Now, it's it, it, it the app is old. So um, it hasn't, you know, I don't know, like it's it needs an update, but you can still look up mm -hmm. these words. Homosexuality was illegal in Britain until 1967, so a secret language being used to communicate between gay men 
and some lesbians was important for safety. Term, terms such as... Uh, do you want to read it? Or go, you ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Daliodik. Good to see you, your beautiful face. Oh, good to see your beautiful face. Wow. You did it good. Can mm -hmm. you say that without reading it? Like, do you know? Wow. Um, those were popular greetings and a good way to immediately determine if someone was in the know. Like, if you just spoke that to me, I'd be like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Get the hell away but from me, But if I knew Satan. what you were saying, I'd immediately be like, oh, okay, yeah. hang on. Yeah, yeah. and Bonavada Yadali, Bonavada Yadali Ode Eek was the most common phrase because it was basically like a hello. And, and it was just a way to like, once you knew, if you knew that, you knew you were in the end. You knew, you knew, yes. Um, other times, the language could be used as a warning. Journalist Beverly De Silva writes of an example. If the Rosers was was to see him in Bonaclaber, they'd take him for a gun. If the police were to see him dressed in the, this fine manner, they would know that he is a thief. And naturally, it was used for pickups and cruising, saying, Fancy a troll, my latia jacks for a charver? Fancy a troll, my latia jacks for a charver. Yeah, it meant, would you like to go to my place nearby and have sex? <laughs> <laughs> for a charver, that's sex? For a charver. Charvers, it means to fuck. Yeah. But yeah. Of course, the language was most commonly used for camp and gossip, such as stating, Vada the nafstradis on the amu ajax, which translated to, look at the awful trousers on that straight man next to me. I need to learn this language, because you, you can talk some mad shit, and you do. people would look at you like, what are you speaking? And imagine being like, I'm speaking Polari, it's a, it's a dead queer language. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Blow their mind. And no, it's really cool. Well, once I got into it, it's so fun. So naf means a straight man, you know, naf. and so naf ajax means near near you. And there's so many ajax like adjacent. Yeah, yeah. So some of, and that's what I mean. Like it was, it's literally like ten languages sh shoved in together, and you speak it really fast because, I mean, part of that is like queer people tend to speak really fast, but also is it because it it's jumbled, so it's harder for people to catch on to what you were saying. Right. And, um, and then also if you like, if you're Italian, you know, a couple of those words already. And if you're Yiddish, you know, a couple of those words. So it shows all the subcultures of queer people coming mm -hmm. together, the intersecting identities coming together to literally make a language. Right. If you want to be in the Christian cult, you have to learn <laughs> Polari. That's how we're going to communicate. And nobody's going to know what we're saying. We only greet each other with Bonavada Yadaliodik. And if you know what it means, then you can join. And if you don't, get the hell out. Exactly. I'm gonna be the I'm I'm gonna be the one <laughs> saying we have to learn it, and I still can't speak it. I'm gonna be like, what's everybody I think, talking about? I think once you try, we should go in. It's just fun to have a couple words. Yeah. Like, uh, there's just so many like wits. Your whittles means your breast. Um, uh, there's a thousand words for like penis and sex. Of course so there is. I, I chose Charver, but like, there's a lot of ways that you could say, you know, um, for like. What a gam is oral sex. You know, go to my laddie. Laddie is your house. Go to my laddie for a gam. You know, go yeah. to my laddie for a blowjob. But over time, the coded term spread overseas and became popular in queer subcultures in America and Canada. The height of popularity rose during and immediately after World War II, which makes sense because you have these soldiers returning home from yep. war. They've learned it. And they bring it back. Yep. Yet by the 1960s, by the 1960s, the language began to die down for a few reasons. One, the popular British show Round the Horn introduced Polari to the wider public through closeted queer host Kenneth Williams. Not only did this lessen the appeal of having a secret language, but it also removed the safety that had once surrounded the gay community. And then as nations and other local state entities began to repeal the sodomy laws, the need for covert language fell away. Yeah, if it wasn't as dangerous, you didn't need it. You know? Right. In recent years, there has been a push to revive the language and the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence even printed an entire Bible in Polari. 
Others have begun to study uh, etymology and history around the vernacular, and various artists have presented work using the language. And even today, many words remain in our vocabulary, including butch, dish, aunt, nal, and fruit, along with several others that are more common over in Western Europe. I need to drop a song and an album in Polari. That oh, that'd be great. Would be fucking nasty. Would... If it was like a banger album too, with like some really yes. good music and like the words from Polari, that, that would be, would be the height of queer art. That would be. Of this century. <laughs> that, would, that would be really huge. If you want to get an example of how they talked, there actually is a video um, they, where two artists remade like a five minute video of, of two men speaking in Polari. Mm-hmm. And they, they cast it as like, you know, they're just two men that meet, meet on a beach and they start talking, or um, mm-hmm. on a bench and they start talking. So you can look it up there and see what they're talking about. But, but like I said, like even words like bush, butch, or fruit, we get like fruit and fruitcake and fruity. Right. All of that comes from this language. That's awesome. And so um, it's really interesting. Again, you can download that app if you want to learn more or check it out. But some of your recommended resources are um, the Queer by Design, 50 Years of Signs, Symbols, Banners, Logos, and Graphic Art of LGBTQ by Andy Campbell. And you can also access the 2020 virtual presentation, Beyond the Rainbow, Queer Queer Symbology, History, and Flag Making, which is available on YouTube or through glbthistory.org. They just had to switch it up. They had to. They had to. So you can, there's two things there that are available for you. And then, like I said, if you go on um, YouTube and you just search Polari, P-O-L-A-R-I, you will see a couple of videos. But you, if you see two guys sitting on the bench, that's the one where they're talking in Polari. And you should check it out. And with that, stay queer. Don't get a lobotomy. We love you, our little allied hookers. And a little succulent sapphist. Resist the oppressors, our proud homocrats. And have yourself a sodomy circus. <laughs> or don't. And, and Black, Black Lives, Lives Matter. Matter. Bon Nevada. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story. Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory. And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.